I always tell prospective clients when I go out on interviews that uh, if they want something that's really unique and special to them, hiring an architect, uh, whether it's me or someone else, really is the way to go. Because you're not going to get that from developer houses uh, or uh, even buying existing housing stock unless you renovate. Um, so I think there's tremendous value in having a custom home and it's an, a life experience that's that's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, uh, I'd say for most of my clients, uh, they over the many, many decades now have uh, listed, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say, but um, have listed that as one of the uh, major experiences of their life that they've uh, been able to live in something that's custom designed for them. I love it. And that has a lot of value for, for many people and not for everybody, but for many people. Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. And with us today is David Coleman of David Coleman Architects. You can learn more about his work at davidcoleman.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-C-O-L-E-M-A-N.com. David was named one of the 100 foremost residential architects in the world by Architectural Digest magazine. He's a member of the American Institute of Architects Distinguished College of Fellows. His work is highly published and he has received numerous design awards. He describes the way he and his team work this way. We believe that a well-designed home sets the scene for a better life. We design our clients' homes in a way that instills warmth, joy, connection to the outdoors, and a sense of belonging. Our holistic approach merges architecture, interiors, and landscapes. David will walk us through a few of the homes he's designed, describing how he crafted them. Although great design must always take the lead in the creation of a custom home, David helps us to see that energy systems like geothermal, radiant flooring, solar panels, and heat recovery ventilation can be almost invisibly built into a custom home, making your dream home not just a custom home, but a high-performance custom home. Let's listen to what David has to say. David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been a couple years since I last saw you, and I'm excited to be able to take this time to pick your brain a little bit about residential design and some of the cool things that are happening and some of the amazing projects that you and your team have created over the years. Uh, let's, let's start with... Um, some of the cool projects that are on your website. So again, this is um, this recording. If you um, want to take the time to go on to David's site and um, go through the discussions that we're having and look at the images, since you can't do that on radio, this entire uh, broadcast uh, will be uploaded as a podcast and you can get it wherever you get your podcast. So again, download it, go on David's website, We'll mention the name of the projects and you'll be able to uh, take a look at the images as we walk through some of them. So, uh, David, let's start with your indoor-outdoor house. That's a pretty cool name. How do you, what was the the, the genesis of that? Um, I think the name actually came after the fact. Uh, the program, though, was calling for a building that had a uh, easy access to the outdoors. Our clients had a beautiful piece of land over in Bridal Trails uh, in uh, here in Seattle and um, or in Bellevue. And we wanted to create outdoor living spaces um, where the interior and the exterior would really merge uh, so that when you were inside, you felt like you were sitting outside. And when you were outside, you could also have that feeling of having the protection and defensiveness of uh, actually being in a structure. Nice. Yeah. And so are you finding that the 
materials i'm thinking like off the top of my head like these window walls are you thinking like the architectural materials that are available today lend themselves more towards integrating indoor and outdoor spaces more easily uh they are yeah uh, for starters the uh, window systems that are available now uh actually do a pretty good job of um keeping the heat in in the winter and keeping the heat out in the summer. Uh, so they're thermally much more efficient. Um, and waterproofing project uh, products also make a big difference in um, when you have a lot of glass, there's a lot more opportunity for uh, thermal expansion and leakage and so forth. Um, I think Frank Lloyd Wright tried to do some of this and uh, apparently his Houses were notorious for leaking, <laughs> um, and hopefully mine are not. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we on the uh, annual Cran Symposium tour last year. We were in Chicago, and we got to go into uh, one of his houses there across from the university. And they, they did mention that you know they have a docent at all those houses to kind of walk you through and talk about what the family right. was like and things like that. And they definitely mentioned that. Uh, that they had issues with some of those things. I'm glad you perfected it. So as I'm looking at- <laughs> I don't know that, if I did, but- <laughs> As I'm looking at the first image that you have for that house, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's, um, I would say you would be just as comfortable assuming the weather was right, sitting at that outdoor dining table as you would be indoors. Was that your goal? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Uh, the outdoor spaces are really treated as rooms uh, in the same way that the indoor spaces are treated as rooms. Uh, and then there's easy passage between both. Uh, mm -hmm. There are fire uh, fire feature in the, the back courtyard. Um, we've got water features in uh, the back and the front courtyards. I see that, yeah. There and then we also- Go, go ahead. Uh, and then we also have, uh, uh, there's a car court, is what we're calling it, uh, at the entry side of the building. And uh, not only is that a place for the cars to park and pull into the garage, but it's also designed to function as a sport court. Oh, great. So everything has uh, dual functionality. That is fantastic. Yeah, and you know, it, it's helpful to just remember that Anytime you're going to do something new, um, it makes sense if you really want to get the most value for your time or your money to engage someone that does that thing all the time, because that person has made mistakes, that person has had successes, that person can share with you <clears throat> things that you wouldn't think about your first time working through whatever that thing is. And it's got to be the same with with residential architecture, doesn't it, David? I mean, you probably share with your new clients lessons learned from homes you've built or you've designed in the past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everything is building one on another. Um, and the this inside-outside theme is something that, um, uh, that I've worked with in my uh, body of work for decades and decades. Uh, and part of it was started because I uh, I went to the Rhode Island School of Design, and they had a very interdisciplinary approach to design at that point, and they encouraged students to explore different areas of design, uh, landscape, interiors, architecture, um, product design. So I... Uh, I started my career trying to create more of a holistic practice where I was looking at all of those uh, aspects to uh, designing a house or, or any building. When I'm looking at that second image with the stairs uh, and then, you know, just kind of, I was looking at the first image, which is really showing the courtyard and the indoor outdoor space of that home your use of lighting, it's like it adds so much visual impact 
to walking up the stairs with the lighted structure behind. Is lighting an important consideration in the design of a custom home? Oh, absolutely. It's it's critical, especially in this climate. Um, I've mostly lived in the north, and I've lived in a number of different places in the north. Okay. So I learned many, many years ago the value of, uh, of good um, daylighting uh, for any structure to really be successful and to support uh, what I like to think of as the architecture of happiness. Um, creating environments where people feel good in those spaces. And I think over the years, I uh, learned how to uh, design um, artificial lighting in a really effective way as well, so that that quality of light was something that wasn't just um, available during the day, but mm -hmm. was also a, a big component of the quality of the space, uh, the spaces at night as well. That's very clear in the second image because I'm looking, you've got this super tasteful lighting underneath the little platform leading up to the stairs, lighting on every other stair, uh, uh, cast up against a concrete wall uh, with a gentle waterfall on the other end of the stairs. I yep. mean, I'm relaxing just looking at the picture, much less living there. <laughs> Well, there's a real tranquility, especially when you can bring water, flowing water into a space. You can really control the sensory environment in a, in a very big way. Yeah, that's great. Now, on the right side of that image, you've got a schematic of the home itself. And it seems to me, I'm not the best at reading these things, but it seems to me you really tried to have bigger open spaces be a part of that home. Is that accurate? It is. Yeah, this uh, this home is, um, in a sense, designed with two primary elements. One is what I like to call the great room, mm -hmm. uh, which is living, dining, kitchen. Uh, there's also a sitting room as a part of that. Uh, and that's more of a pavilion-like structure with a really tall roof. Um, and it's designed so that that roof is um, has the feeling of really floating. Uh, of almost having a weightless quality to it. And then the the other wing, the other primary wing is the bedroom wing. And that has a much lower roof line, lower ceilings, and the spaces in that wing are designed to be more cozy, more intimate, um, and more private. Yeah, as you were describing it, I'm looking at the picture of one of the bedrooms and the scale is just a, a fraction of the great room scale, the ceiling. And it definitely, you know, it's got its, its own private deck. Uh, it is definitely looks cozy. Like you could, you could just be in that room and be very, very comfortable looking out that big window at your, your surrounding uh, greenery. Yeah. That's very tasteful. Now on those big rooms, like the great room there, do you, I mean, heat rises. Do you have any issue with trying to keep a space like that comfortable? I mean, are you just like running, you just have to build it into the cost. You're just going to spend more on electricity if you do something like that. That's like a grand scale room. Well, in this case, the mechanical system is pretty sophisticated. Uh, the floors are radiant. They're actually stone. That. And um, so there's there's a warm floor, which really makes a big difference in the um, the experience of being in the space. Um, but we also have a mechanical system, which is a forced ventilation system, uh, which moves the air around in the space and returns a lot of that air. So the air is not the warm air in the sun, in the winter, for example, is not rising up to the ceiling and staying there. Right. It's being brought back down and circulated. Um, we're also utilizing that with a heat recovery ventilator so that we can bring fresh air into the building. Nice. Um, oh, go ahead. 
And then in the winter, uh, in the summer, of course, it's the reverse, where we're able to cool the building with the uh, the forced ventilation. Uh, and then in terms of the the energy demands on the house, the uh, uh, the radiant slabs are uh, helped along by geothermal. So we actually have geothermal uh, capability. We've got three deep wells on the site. Nice. Uh, that reduce the uh, the energy demand considerably um, for the radiant. And uh, then we have uh, solar collectors on the roof, a, a very large system that you cannot see, very carefully designed and integrated, so it Good could not you. be seen from the road. Yeah. Um, so this house utilizes uh, a lot of advanced uh, low energy features to try and reduce the energy demand and the carbon footprint. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, I know from uh, previous uh, interviews that when you include geothermal, you are going to kick your expenses up. But would you say that with the solar, the geothermal, the radiant flooring, the, the homeowner feels like they got the value they were looking for, for investing a little bit more and including those high-performance uh, products? I do. Yeah, and I think with most of the um, the houses we're designing that incorporate sustainable features, uh, the payback on most of those uh, uh, systems now is such that it's a good investment for people. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, again, so we're we're going through um, the Inside Outhouse on David Coleman's website. Uh, so if you get a chance, um, go and and just listen to the recording and and walk through those images. So let's jump down a little bit and go to the kitchen because I know kitchens are a big a big design uh, area for you, a specialty, and for most of us, the kitchens are where we spend a great deal of time in our home. We have friends over and there's a lot of a lot of time spent there. So I'm looking at the kitchen in this home and I wonder, do you figure out traffic flow at all when you are designing a kitchen? So is it, I mean, I would imagine if you got a big family, the way you use the kitchen is different than if it's just two people. Are those the kinds of things that you walk through with the clients when you're designing the home? Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, in this particular house, there it's a large extended family. They have family over for extended periods of time. So the flow of, of traffic uh, was critical, which is why this kitchen, besides having a very generous uh, cooking area, it's a family that loves to cook together. Cool. Um, but it also has a, a large uh, dining room table that will seat up to 12 people. Um, and there's a sitting area that has four large, very comfortable chairs. Uh, so guests can uh, be in that kitchen area with everybody uh, and not be underfoot. So yeah, the, the flow does make a difference. Um, and at the same time, when we're doing small houses, uh, retirement homes, or second homes, uh, cabins for people. Um, we might design kitchens that are much smaller and, and uh, actually function in a completely different way than we will in a house like this. But that that is part of getting to know your client, though, right? Like, like helping them to think about, maybe they're not thinking about how they use the kitchen, you have to help them with that. They just know they use the kitchen, but then you, you you help them drill down and identify some of those key elements that really need to be designed into the kitchen in order for them six months, a year, two years later to be really happy with the end result. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I start every project by sitting down with my clients, not just to discuss the practical um, um, things that they're looking for in terms of room sizes and so forth. But um, but I really interview my clients and spend a lot of time with them and ask questions that uh, most of them uh, are surprised that I'm even asking them about. <laughs> um, 
because I, I really want to drill down on um, getting to know them as quickly as I can and discover what's important to them, what's not, um, places they love, mm-hmm. things that make them feel good when they're home or, or even out and about uh, in the world. Um, so yeah, trying to discover who the clients are is a big part of uh, helping them to manifest their dreams. Yeah, that is just absolutely beautiful. So now I've scrolled down a little bit. I'm on one of the bedroom pictures and I'm looking at that um, window seat and it is absolutely gorgeous with all that wood. I, is that Sapile maybe? Or I, I yeah, that is. Yeah, is it's it? a, yeah, it's a plantation grade Sapile. Um, so it comes from a sustainable uh, yield. And um, we designed that one. We, we also designed furniture. I, I can. I'm looking at it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we don't do that with every project, um, but when we're able to, we we certainly like to. And this one, we created this window seat, which is uh, has the feeling of being a piece of furniture hanging on the wall. Yeah, it does. That big window looking out into the front courtyard and the garden. Yeah, it is. And it's just to create a cozy space within that bedroom where um, our clients can hang out and um, have some privacy. I love it. Now, was that their idea? Said they always wanted a window seat, or was that, did you suggest it? Well, I suggested it. They wanted a private space. Uh, within the home where they could be alone as a couple. And uh, that's why in in this case, we designed the room. So we have the window seat and the one spot there and next to it, a very cozy chair with the nice ottoman. So it's a place where they can sit and read a book or have a conversation uh, without sitting on the bed. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So again, uh, if you get a chance download the podcast and go through these images on uh, David Coleman Architecture, their website there. You're going to love what you see. Okay, David. So now I want to move over to a home that when the listeners jump on your website and look at this image, uh, they're going to say that looks nothing like the inside outhouse. I love the the range of design that that you work in so what was the what was the homeowner looking for here well in this case uh, this is a retirement home uh, for a boeing engineer a single person so it's not for a family and he was looking for a close connection to the nature similar to the inside outside house but um, he was looking for a home that was much smaller, much uh, more modest, mm-hmm. and one that um, uh, would feel appropriately scaled for a single person. Okay. I look uh-huh. at those doors, and they, they almost look like they could be uh, hurricane doors. They're like They're so thick, and it looks like, when they close, that would be in, like an absolute airtight seal. Can you can you talk about those at all? Sure. Yeah, this is a building that has um, a lot of glass, but it's well placed in the right location. So it's actually opening out towards views of uh, beautiful fields. This is in horse country. Okay. Uh, in the uh, near the foothills of the Cascades. Um, so it's also looking at distant mountain mm-hmm, views. Beautiful. So we really tried to focus the glass uh, on some of those natural features in the landscape. Uh, and yeah, when it's uh, closed down, it's a very efficient building envelope. And um, uh, with appropriately scaled glass, but not too much of it where uh, it becomes too much of an energy drain. So you're saying you can do big glass design and have the house still be energy efficient 
if you do some other things. You've got to plan how you do what you do to be able to compensate for the larger window expanse. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so it's a question of just putting the glass in the right place where it really does make a significant difference. Um, in in our houses, the glass is never kind of an arbitrary thing. We don't just design a, a shell and then start uh, sticking windows in, <laughs> in the shell. It's right. very intentional about where the glass goes and where the solid walls should go. So when I'm looking uh, further down, scrolling down at the big open space, and I've got the kitchen I'm looking at, and the dining room, kind of in a big open environment, it looks very comfortable. It, it seems like you could have a group of people over and nobody would be uh, right on top of each other, a very comfortable uh, layout. Uh, that material that you used for the countertop is that the same as a material for those gorgeous cabinets or i mean they from, from the photograph they look similar but are they the same they are not the uh, countertops are all quartzite okay and it's uh, uh i wouldn't say a pure white but it's um has very little uh texture in the material and the cabinet fronts are all painted so it's a, a, a painted MD, uh, MDF material. So when you're working with your clients, how do you come about this is going to be the material for the countertop? Uh, are you giving them options? Do you send them to the lumber dealer to look at samples? How, how do you help the clients pick the right material for their home's countertops? Well. By getting to know the clients really well uh, at the beginning, but also throughout the process, by the time we're down to selecting finishes, uh, I have enough knowledge about what they like and what they don't like to pre-select a lot of the materials. And in my office, I also have samples of uh, just about any product we might want to use. So uh, I'll usually put together a storyboard, have the client come in and take a look, and I'll show them the ones that I'm suggesting based on previous conversations. And uh, then if they want to look at other options within certain uh, materials, uh, we have all those materials on site so that um, uh, we can go through and, and make selections that are uh, blending well with other materials. Nice. I found well, that for the for the most ahead. part, uh, for the most part, um, our clients are busy people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the last thing in the world they want to do is go to half a dozen showrooms and look at ten thousand stone samples or right. countertop samples. So by pre-selecting, we save them a lot of time and a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I got I would kind of just assume that people are different. Like, there's probably some people who, for them, that's they're, they're they love it. <laughs> they want to just be involved, but that's probably not everybody because uh, being involved in in too much affects the rest of your life. And having the professional who's gotten to know you minimize the the. the options right how many different surfaces are potential for your countertop there's probably a thousand but having someone that's gotten to know you well who can narrow that down so you're only making a choice between the top candidates that that seems like a great use of your of your architect's skill yeah and it also okay. it also helps to keep um um i compatibility of materials yeah. within each project because selecting materials it's kind of like selecting colors uh, for clothing uh, if you pick a shirt and it's a certain color there are only certain pants that will go with that color <laughs> it's the same thing on the interior of a, of a building and the exterior um, so there needs to be a compatibility and that's something that we're able to really help clients achieve 
one of the things that I really love about uh, custom homes, again, with the uh, Custom Residential Architects Network, we do a lot of uh, continuing ed and home tours and things like that for residential architects. And when you're in looking at homes, you get to see all the really cool stuff that the architect designed. I'm looking at that big door, super big door, uh, the right side of the outdoor picture with the white chair. Is that a custom door, David? Yeah, all of the doors and windows in this building are custom. So they're all made to order. Okay. And that's fairly common these days with residential, custom residential construction. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, we uh, would uh, be forced to select from pre-made sizes for doors and windows. But, uh, but because of advances in production technology, now it's, it's pretty easy for a manufacturer to just make all of the sizes custom. That door is absolutely gorgeous. Now, I know that with some doors, the weight can get substantial. So the um, technology is starting to get out there where I don't know if you'd call it counterbalancing or, or something, but um, how do you, how, what is your suggestion or, or maybe you can just shed some insight into how to make a absolutely gorgeous, but pretty good sized door, easy to move around. Well, when we have very large oversized doors, we're often using pivot hardware. So instead of uh, traditional butt hinges, which hang from the side of a door, uh, with a pivot hardware, we can actually grab the door from the top and the bottom. And that actually allows us to have a much larger opening. Okay. So advances uh, even within uh, hardware have now allowed us to create um, uh, much more opportunities to have larger openings. Well, they're just stunning. The larger openings with those <laughs> custom doors. I mean, it just, you can't not notice it. This is absolutely gorgeous. Some of the cool stuff that, that you can do with custom. So excellent. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the last house we were going to review. So David, I am having just such an enjoyable time going through these projects with you. It's just great kind of getting a little bit of the, the design backstory, what was going on. And so the last one we're going to review, um, you have on your website as Broadmoor Residence. And the first image I see is this just absolutely great modern design, but with incredible wood features, a lot of glass, this beautiful platform where you're stepping from the inside out. And there's this great outdoor area with grass. And I'm like, man, that would just be just a super cool place to spend time. And it's different from the ones that we've looked at, at least the last one, um, because this is in the city. This is in, in uh, really, it's a great area, but it's, it's, there's no horses running around here. There's just uh, cars and people. So tell us a little bit about the Broadmoor residents. When the clients came to you, what was their challenge? And, uh, and, and how did you start getting this project together well this this um property had an existing house on the site so uh, and it was a 60s modern building or 50s modern excuse me um that was in bad repair for the most part um so the first thing we looked at was how much of the existing structure we could save uh, it had some nice features about it, so we uh, decided we would save some of it and just completely rebuild. Um, but we also needed to expand the house so that it could accommodate a, a, a larger family. Uh, and since it is in the city, we uh, my clients were interested in having uh, a lot of outdoor, more private outdoor space so their kids could run around and... Mm -hmm. Uh, not have to deal with 
the traffic and, and all of that. So we decided to develop this as an L-shaped plan uh, surrounding the courtyard in the back of the house. Uh, in this case, the courtyard is a lawn. Uh, it's the only grass actually in the entire project is right here in that back section okay. in that courtyard. And uh, they, their kids were little at the time we did this, and they wanted a place where the kids could play. And just be could, kids. <laughs> yeah, just be kids, and they could keep an eye on them. And um, so that was part of what went into it. I'm so looking. The, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I was just going to say the entire back section of that house facing that courtyard uh, is glass. And most of those openings are uh, rolling doors. So they're actually giant sliding doors, but they okay. move on wheels. And that makes them easy to move and uh, able to be uh, opened by anyone, including kids. And I'm looking at the drawing um, of the the home, and I see as you, you've got kind of like these key public areas, the study, the living, dining, music, kitchen, are all around that area, leading out through those doors to the terrace and out to the grassed area. And it just looks like you could just very easily move back and forth between those spaces, indoors and outdoors, and just have just this great experience for the family. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's exactly what we were after. And the front of the building towards the street is relatively um, closed so that um, uh, there's a lot of privacy within the building yeah. from the street. That's perfect. Okay, so I'm looking a little bit further down at the picture that clearly shows that that might be that same countertop material that we were looking at in that um, earlier project. And it's just so stunning. But your cabinets, are your cabinets custom or is that the kind of thing that, um, there's a lot of different cabinet options. So let me just rephrase it and say, what were your thoughts when you were figuring out what cabinets you wanted in this kitchen? Well, this kitchen, the, the cabinets are all custom. Uh, in the previous project, the field house, those were actually a modular, a uh, pretty affordable modular system mm -hmm. that we customized, okay. um, which is a nice way to, to save a, a chunk of money. Um, in this case, though, everything is custom. This kitchen was laid out around uh, the idea of entertaining uh, for family and friends. So the island is huge. Uh, I can't remember exactly how long, but I think this island is uh, at least 12 feet long, maybe maybe nice. 14. Um, so our clients can entertain uh, friends and family, and they're on the work side of the island where the cooktop and the ovens and range and refrigerator are located and mm -hmm. there's ample room though around it so that people can gather and then of course the glass walls open to the uh, that courtyard and there's a terrace uh, just outside so uh, people again can flow easily uh, from inside to outside as i'm scrolling down a little bit further thanks for that that's just puts you in the picture having you describe it as i'm scrolling down a little bit further uh towards the opposite end of that space so moving away from those big huge uh gorgeous windows past the kitchen area <clears throat> i've got a great view of, of the living room and these beautiful stairs so of course i'm in the custom uh stair railing business so I can't help it. Wherever I go, I have to check out the railing system. And yep. It's so funny. It's like whatever you do for a living, wherever you go, if you see somebody else doing has done that thing, you got to check it out. So that's how I am with railing. So yep. how do you 
like when we're talking to clients, we we try to communicate that railing is one of the most visible parts of, of most homes. Um, and we really define railing as functional artwork. Yes, you want to keep people safe as they walk up and down the stairs or hang out on your deck. But railing can do so much more. They can railing can actually add visual beauty to the space, like a painting hanging on a wall mm -hmm. or a sculpture in the corner. So as I looked at some of your projects, uh, the railing that you choose does not seem accidental. So how do you go about picking who's going to fabricate the railing? What kind of styling you're looking for? Well, we have. Um... Uh, over the years, developed preferences for certain types of railing systems. And you you are right that uh, the railing is an opportunity to create uh, detail in the building. And um, what's important about uh, having a nice railing system is that these are the things that people actually touch yeah. <laughs> as they're going up and down True. the stairs where they're standing on a balcony. In this particular project, uh, there's an atrium. So you go up that open stair, and at the top of that stair, it's an atrium that opens down into that little family room area. And upstairs are two kids' bedrooms. Awesome. Uh, so they have uh, almost their own little vertical wing of the house, which is designated for the kids. So in this case, we went with an open railing system. So the connection vertically between the balcony and the bedrooms upstairs and that family room on the main level um, is um, uh, completely transparent. That is so, so it's a glass cool. and steel system. Yeah, that is cool. Well, the last thing I wanna to touch on on this project is the bathroom. So uh, scrolling down a little bit further, <clears throat> I'm looking at this incredible space where you have really just really taken different tiles, different shape, a little different color, and they are surrounding one of the most gorgeous bathtubs I've ever seen was in the client's mind. Did they say to you, David, we want an awesome bathroom or did this just kind of happen organically in talking with the clients well i i'd say maybe a little of both uh the clients expressed their desire to have a really beautiful bathroom they wanted the bathroom uh to open out into a little private courtyard so on the left side there you see that uh glass that's actually another giant sliding door so you can slide that panel open and sit in that bathtub and feel like you're sitting out. Oh, that's cool. Um, and uh, we also provided skylights so we could bring a lot of light. They really wanted that space to be just bright and full of uh, beautiful daylight. In the evening, we actually have lighting up in the skylight that's hidden. So even at night, if you turn the lights on, it feels almost like daylight in the space. Um, in this case, it's what we call a wet room. So the shower and that bathtub are all in one space. There's no separation. And um, it's a self-contained waterproof space. Um, and I, I'd have to say the, the result of this space, my, my client jokes around about this, that um, it was a little bit too successful as a bathroom. <laughs> because uh, as their kids grew up, their kids decided that this was the place to bathe. So they never bathe in their own bathroom. They yeah, always no. bathe in this one. Smart so, kids. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it was a very successful space. And I think they've actually had a lot of enjoyment all around on this one. Yeah. It's just absolutely gorgeous. So in case you're just joining us, uh, our uh, guest is David Coleman, and we're talking residential design. So David, I know that you uh, are building homes all over the place, 
But if I'm not mistaken, the Meadow Valley in Washington State is a place that you really love. You're designing homes there. What is it that you find so captivating about that area? Well, when I first went there, uh, which was shortly after I uh, came out west, it reminded me of a valley that I love in Vermont. Okay. Um, and I think every place that I've lived um, in the States and also in Denmark, I always seek out a beautiful place in nature. Uh, as a kid, I, I used to go up to Vermont quite frequently with my family. And uh, so I've always had a great appreciation for rural environments. So the Madhau Valley, in a sense, is my West Coast version of um, uh, my beloved valley in Vermont. Nice. It just brings back a lot of memories of uh, my childhood, which were very, very positive. And, uh, and I love being in beautiful, uh, natural environments. And it's, it's really contributed, that love has contributed a lot to the approach that I take in designing buildings of creating rooms that merge interior and exterior spaces and create very special environments outside. And there, in the Meadow Valley in particular, um, the journey up to the Meadow Valley is uh, one of the nicest drives in the Northwest. Uh, going over Route 20 in Washington Pass. Uh, so there's that procession, which is a big part of creating a great house. Yeah, wait <laughs> um, for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the valley itself is just uh, stunning. It's uh, it, And there's kind of a duality there between uh, these beautiful mountain peaks and this dramatic landscape, but there's also a calmness there. Um uh, where whenever I arrive in the Medhau Valley, I <clears throat> think my heart rate actually just drops. Oh, I love bit. it. Um, so I I have a real affinity to places like the Medhau Valley. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just a it's a beautiful environment to be uh, inspired by and to spend time in. One of the things that I love about places that can um, host a great vacation home for a family. I love it when they're not too, too far away, because it seems to me like that just simplifies things. Like you can easily get away from the week for the weekend. It's very easy to just have all your stuff there. And it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Friday. We're going to the vacation place. And for, you know, folks that live in the greater Seattle area, the Meadow is not that far away, but it's a different world over there. It's very different. Yeah. And that's part of what uh, makes designing vacation homes uh, so um, meaningful for me. People often have different requirements when they're building in the city uh, or the place where they spend most of their time. But when it comes to a vacation home, they're often willing to try something that's very different mm -hmm. so that the experience is very different. They arrive and it doesn't feel like an extension of their primary home. Right. It feels totally different. So it's uh, it's a real pleasure designing homes for people in settings like this. Yeah. And just learning more about um, your firm, uh, how you can help them in designing their own custom home, a home that was designed for the specific needs of their family. How, what's the next steps? Um, well, it's always a good idea to uh, cruise the internet, uh, look for designs that you enjoy and contact those architects who are doing that kind of work uh, that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I think interviewing uh, uh, a couple of architects, if if that's uh, what it takes. Uh, sometimes we have a lot of clients that just call us up and they'll sit down with us and 
they won't interview other people. <laughs> They'll just come right to us. Love at first sight. I love it. That's yeah. Great. And uh, I, I think a lot of it in the residential world is really looking for the right fit. Um, because you're going to spend a lot of time with the architect. Right. And you want to make sure that um, you're spending time with, with people that uh, you enjoy being with and people who are really able to listen, willing to listen. Um, I like to think that a big part of what we do is help people manifest their dreams. And uh, although I have strong opinions about how to do that and how to create that <laughs> and uh, standards where I want to make sure that everything I do is uh, uh, top notch from a design perspective. Right. But, um, but being able to work with clients and help guide them to create an environment that uh, uh, is not just sustaining, but is also bringing joy to their, their lives is, um, uh, is a big part of what we do. So that, that fit. So my recommendation is find someone that, uh, whose designs really resonate with you and, uh, and also someone who you enjoy spending time with. Yeah, that's perfect. So uh, can you share the website and uh, contact info with us? Sure. Yeah, the uh, my website is uh, www.davidcoleman.com. And um, uh, phone number here in the office is 206-443-5626. And um, primary email address is dc at davidcoleman.com. Perfect. Well, I really enjoyed uh, this discussion, David. Thank you so much for carving out the time from your super busy schedule to share these little gems. Uh, I know that many people are going to enjoy this um, interview and going to take uh, some of the content and, and put it to work and creating their dream home. Well, good. Well, th thank you for uh, inviting me on and uh, I've enjoyed the time we spent together. <laughs> Thanks, David. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we will see you next week.